Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. All right. We are so freaking excited. We're chatting with KJ today. Um, She is a conscious slash gentle parenting expert on her own parenting journey. And I have been following her for quite a while now because I needed some help with the parenting stuff myself. And I just love her reels and everything, all her content that she puts out there because it's so relatable, but it's also not like in your face. So <laughs> I I loved I, I loved her. So that's why I started I needed help dealing with my own tantrums for my own children. Um and she's been such a light when I'm having a hard time, a hard day, I can go like get some quick like parenting affirmations from her and stuff. So <laughs> let's just get started. Um why don't you tell us about you KJ? What do you do for work? Um are you a stay at home mom? I don't even know that. And then tell us why you decided to go down this conscious parenting journey of your own. Yes. So thank you so much for having me, first of all, Ashley and Roberta. Um, That was super sweet of you to say. Um, I'm so glad that my content resonates with you because it's honestly just my own personal journey. And it's really just touching to know that it does that so many others relate to it and um, that I can be helpful in sharing my story with others, that it helps them in their journey as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So yeah, my name is KJ. I am, uh, I'm not a stay-at-home mom. I actually work for a parenting company um, called Big Life Journal and we have a presence on Instagram. So I think Mm -hmm. that, um, I think a lot of folks might be familiar with Big Life Journal. I'm the director of content for them. So I basically manage a lot of the social media aspects on all the different platforms, create content. I also share parenting tips and answer parenting questions. And it's wonderful because I get to work from home and it is very fulfilling that I, for my job, I can continue to share what I know about how to be a positive parent. And, um, and it's been, it's been amazing. So um, that's what I do for work. And as far as how I got started on this journey, it, it really was pretty recent, I would say a couple of years ago, when I maybe maybe two and a half, or I would say years ago, when I really did start slowly learning more about how to become a positive parent. Back then, there wasn't even a whole lot of information. I think there's so many more resources now. I simply started Googling how to how to how to be a better parent, because I was getting triggered so much by my then two and a half year old son, 
And I would do timeouts. I would yell. I would just lose control a lot. And I knew that that was not an effective way of parenting. It didn't make me feel good. And I knew that it wasn't helping him. It was making things worse. And I just thought, I don't, I'm parenting the way I think I'm supposed to parent. And I just don't think it's the right way to parent. So I started Googling and I found some books that weren't even, didn't even say positive parenting or gentle parenting. I had no idea what that even was at the time. It was just, it was um, the first book I read was The Whole Brain Child um, by Dr. Daniel J. Siegel. And that was when, that was my introduction, honestly, to brain development. And I was like blown away, like, oh, okay. Like it makes so much sense why children behave this way. They don't have the abilities yet to, to manage their emotions and manage their behaviors because their brains aren't even fully developed yet. And I just wanted to learn as much as I could. And I slowly started changing my parenting ways. And as I learned more, I changed more things and I realized like, oh, this is, this is gentle parenting. Like this is what makes sense to me and feels right for me. And then I started, you know, learning more about gentle parenting. And then I started learning about conscious parenting and then trying to learn the difference, you know, with what all that means, mindful parenting, respectful parenting, positive parenting, authoritative parenting. What is all this parenting, you know, and it gets, it can get so confusing and, um, but it, it's also all the resources that are available now. You know, it, I, I've come to terms with the label doesn't really matter. Like for me, it's all positive parenting. Mm-hmm. Whether you call yourself a gentle parent or a conscious parent, it doesn't really matter. It's all a matter of your values and how you want to raise your, your child, you know? So the label is, the labels are... I guess, a way to identify the differences in traditional parenting versus everything else, in my opinion. But um, it's it doesn't matter to me so much what you call yourself, as long as um, you're raising children in a way that supports their emotional development. Yeah, and I have, you know, I've thought about that a lot, and especially um, for all of all of the elementary teachers listening, especially we have this course that we have to take about um, educational psychology and child development. And in there, we learn about different parenting styles, but they were the four kind of, um, you know, it was authoritative or, um, what are the others? Authoritative, authoritarian, authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, and this was 10 years ago now or so, there wasn't even really a conversation happening in these classes about, you know, what you're talking about, conscious, gentle, you know, um, parenting. It was more these traditional routes of parenting or non-parenting as some of those are. Um, So for the people that are maybe still a little confused, Mm -hmm. how, how would you, How would you characterize conscious parenting and gentle parenting? The way I look at it, the difference between gentle and conscious parenting is many parents are both, right? They can be a gentle and conscious parent. For me, gentle parenting is really 
focused on the child's environment and being able to provide that gentle, um, nurturing presence for the child where we're focused on, you know, how, how are they feeling? How can I help them feel safe and the, the emotions that they're trying to express, communicate. And to me, it's really child focused, the gentle parenting. So when you're a gentle parent, you're gentle and you're really taking into account the child's environment. With conscious parenting, it's really more of the parent and looking internally inside what's going on for the parent. Why, why are you, why is the parent getting triggered? So, so if I, I am a conscious parent as well, it's more of my child's having a tantrum and I'm starting to feel a reaction in me. Why is that? Why, why am I getting triggered by this behavior? Um, so it's trying to figure out the root of it and trying to ask all of these questions to better understand yourself so that you're not projecting onto your child things that happened when you were a child and, you know, those kind of feelings and emotions that you may remember or your body remembers that now you are reacting or responding to your child from those triggers. You want to try and avoid that. So with conscious parenting, it's all about trying to get curious, you know, what's going on for my child and what's going on for me. I don't know if that helps. Yeah, kinda, absolutely. Difference. Yeah, for sure. Are there any like common misconceptions that you hear from, from other parents who are maybe struggling to get on board with conscious or gentle parenting, but they know traditional parenting isn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they have these misconceptions that keep them from moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think gentle parenting, the word gentle gets mixed up a lot with permissive parenting. And they're two very different parenting styles. With gentle parenting, it's still under the authoritative parenting umbrella, where the parent is still in charge, there is still that, um, you know, it's not it's not. um it's a more collaborative approach where we take into account a child, a child's opinion in the family, but ultimately the parent can make the decision and the parent can decide what the boundaries are and how much flexibility they want to give the child. You want to try to give children as much, you know, flexibility and choices as possible, but ultimately the parent is still in charge and responsible for the child. And so um, with gentle parenting, it is still the parent's responsibility to set expectations and communicate what clearly what the boundaries are. With permissive parenting, it's really the opposite of gentle parenting in that the parent really lets the child be the one in control always. And they're afraid of conflict. They're afraid of setting boundaries and um, holding them because they don't want to upset the child at all. They're kind of afraid of the outburst, they're, they're afraid of any sort of conflict with the child. And so they're more um, willing to let the child dictate and set the rules. And I think that's what people think gentle parenting is, is they're afraid that they're going to, they'll just raise a bunch of spoiled children who don't know how to follow any sort of rules because they, they run the, run the house. And um, permissive parenting is, in my opinion, not a healthy way of parenting. Um, but it's, it is, it's a different, it's a different style from gentle parenting. Mm. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) I agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) Not a healthy way of parenting. Yes. 
<laughs> so um, I know when I first started following you and other people who are on Instagram and talking about gentle and conscious parenting and everything, the word trigger gets said a lot and you have said it a few times already. But I know like when I first started watching other people's parenting approaches I was like what does that mean like I didn't even know I was like, what does this word trigger mean <laughs> so if you could like explain that like I'm I understand it now but like it literally didn't make sense to me until a couple of months ago <laughs> yeah no that's completely fair when I started researching as well I had no idea either I didn't know that that's what was happening to me mm-hmm. um, so I guess I would define a trigger as as a something in your environment that causes you to react without control, something that is happening internally for you in your body that is um, that that if if it continue you know if it, you continue to let it build up, eventually you'll get to a point where you will lash out or you will react in a a way in the form of yelling or. Um, slamming things, throwing things or whatever your response is to when you are in that fight or flight mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to parenting, for me, I would get triggered a lot by um, my my son, again, my toddler um, at the time when he just wouldn't listen to me, you know, you would ask to do something and and over and over and over again. And that would trigger me. And I would get really, really upset, really frustrated. And that's where I would, you know, resort to timeouts or yelling or, or even, even ignoring, walking away and ignoring and just hoping that that would change the behavior. Now, looking back, it's like, you know, I know so much better now that I wish I could go back to me two and a half years ago and be like, you'll be okay. You're, you're safe. You'll be okay. Um, but the way I would define or The way I would explain how a trigger happens is something in your environment causes you to remember a moment in your life where you may have experienced something similar and didn't fully process the emotions that came with it. So as a child, for example, let's say whenever you cried, you were told to stop crying or you would get punished for crying or you would get um, in trouble, yelled at for crying. So you learned to stop crying or you learned to hold it in until you could be by yourself and find a safe place to cry on your own. Or you just suppressed your emotions and you just didn't cry at all. And as a parent now, whenever your child cries about something that you don't believe they should be crying about, you get triggered because something within you reminds you it's not safe to cry and you might not remember necessarily those feelings but something in you is telling you you have to stop that behavior because it's not okay it's not okay for your child to be crying and what we need to do now as conscious parents working on ourselves is trying to figure out where those triggers come from and, and asking those questions, well, what would have happened to me if I cried in front of my parents? What would my parent have done? How would they have responded? And trying to get to the root of where those triggers even came from. So that's the first part. And then also the learning of the 
child's brain and the development of the brain to know that they they can't control their behaviors um when they're emotional like that they're they're functioning from the lower part of their brain that completely takes over and they can't function from there's the top and the lower part of the brain but their prefrontal cortex is is not even activated at that point which is where you have your exec executive functioning and the ability to make good decisions when a child is in that fight or flight state and they're throwing a tantrum they're they're operating from their fight or flight response and our role as a parent is to try and remain as calm as possible and help them through that emotion and help them feel safe and not in that um, fight or flight response. But when we are also in that mode, it's it's challenging for us to remain calm. So it's important for us to recognize when we are in that state so that we can catch ourselves and try and regulate ourselves first so that we can show up for our child who really does need us to regulate again. Um, so yeah, so triggers are, are, are things that cause us to respond when we're out of control. I, yeah, I really, I like that. I <laughs> happens to me quite often. <laughs> I know me too. Still <laughs> it's a journey. Yeah, that's, that's what I love about your Instagram is you're always talking about how like you never become the perfect parent like you're always gonna have triggers you're always gonna feel out of control sometimes mm -hmm. and just like reassuring parents that <laughs> it's always gonna be a journey yeah it, it really it really is is a journey you kind of sl slowly learn from the mistakes you make as you try different you know approaches and different techniques and and you're still gonna have moments where you know, you're tired, you're hungry, and you just don't have the ability to hang on to that, you know, control of yourself. And something happens, you're maybe it's your child's fifth tantrum of the day, and you just kind of lose it. We're all going to have those moments, even the top parenting experts lose it, you know, we're, we're all human, and we have emotions. And all we can do is try to manage ourselves the best. Yeah, what might be some maybe even early warning signs that in our body, like that we might notice when we're starting to feel triggered. Have you mm -hmm. noticed any, um, I mean, obviously, obviously for yourself, but then I don't know, in talking with other parents, and I'm sure we mm -hmm. have different ways that it shows up in our body, but what might be some like warning signals that, Hey, I'm getting triggered. Yeah. For me personally, I can, slowly start to recognize when I start to become dysregulated, I'm a lot less patient. And I, you know, if something continues, and I'm already in that impatient state, and it continues, then I, I, I do start to physically feel it in my body, it starts in my stomach and kind of works its way up. And um, I feel it in my chest, my chest starts to feel tight, my heart starts racing, I can feel my body temperature rising. And that's when I know like, okay, I need to take some deep breaths because my body just is not, is not feeling good right now. And the longer I continue to let things build up, the more likely I'm going to lose control. Um, so for me, that's, those are my signs, but other signs that you might experience could be 
just tightness, in, you know, clenching your fists or your jaw, like everything just feels tighter. Um, you know, the racing heart, you might start to get sweaty palms. You might start to get a little bit of a headache. Um, you know, if you think about it, when you get into that fight or flight mode, it's all those responses of your body getting ready to be in that fight position, right? So you're ready to act or do something. You have all this extra energy um, and you're ready to, to do something about it. Or your response might be, if, if you're more, um, if your fight or flight is more to freeze or flight, um, then you might experience yourself kind of slowing down or feeling like you just want to throw your hands up in the air, walk away. Um, you know, you just kind of give up, you don't care. And, or you, you do the silent treatment, um, you know, where you don't, you don't want to deal with it. So that might be other signs that you need to take a moment and take a few deep breaths and try and and reframe your your mindset to to be able to go back and handle that moment. Awesome. And then, so I know you said you do deep breaths. Is there anything else that you do uh, to help when you you're starting to feel those things kind of bubble up for you? Yeah, deep breaths are huge. Like deep belly breaths, where you're really trying to take in as much oxygen as you can and filling your body with as much of that as you can. Um, drinking cold water can be helpful where you might just need to take a few minutes to walk away, drink some water and breathe, and that will help pause before you might do something that you'll regret, regret later, um, shaking your body. Sometimes that helps. And if, depending on how my son is feeling, if, if I feel like I'm starting to get dysregulated and he's just starting also, I might put some music on and we have, you know, like a dance party, kind of shake it out. Um, sometimes if it's, if I'm having one of those days where it's like deep breathing uh, on its own is not going to help, um, you know, nothing else is going to help. Sometimes I have to lay down and I might lay in my bed or lay on the couch, continue to deep breathe and, and put some relaxing, um, music on, or I'll turn my sound machine on in my room and I'll just lay in my bed and just try to, to breathe through it while my son is next to me having his tantrum. So I, I will uh, let him, and he's familiar with this. This was really more common when he was younger. He's five and a half now. So this isn't really something that happens very often now, but when it does, he's familiar with it. He understands that this is me trying to calm myself down. And so he'll continue to throw his fit next to me. He might come on the bed with me. We'll try to um, co-regulate together and I'll still rub his back while I'm, my eyes are closed. I'm breathing. He's having his tantrum next to me and I'll, I'll still be trying to comfort him. Um, but that's, that's the way that I handle those moments where I just know nothing else is going to work. Um, but that, that helps me a lot in those like really difficult days. Mm -hmm. I loved someone um, recently was listening to Janet Lansbury. Mm, yeah. With her and that sounds very familiar to something she called a time in so reframing our thinking from giving our kids timeouts sometimes giving ourselves timeouts I've been hearing that from a lot of parents as well lately like they feel triggered so they give themselves a timeout whereas I love this concept which is like what you're talking about KJ where it's like a time in you're together you're showing each other comfort but allowing that space to calm down and regulate, but it's mm -hmm. saying I'm here for you and I'm not leaving you. 
Whereas the timeout is saying, I'm rejecting you when you're acting this way and, and I, I can't be near you. So you're in time, you're in timeout or I'm in timeout. And reframing it that way as a time in kind of shifted some things in my brain. I'm like, oh, okay, I can, I can handle that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do with my son now, our time in. So we don't do timeouts anymore. And it makes a huge difference. Um, just being able, and it, it's exactly what you said when you send a child to a timeout and they haven't learned how to regulate themselves or manage their emotions and you send them away when they're in that fight or flight mode and they need to, you know, they need somebody to help them calm themselves down being sent away they're they're not only being told or it's communicated to them, you know, I don't want to be around you when you feel this way. So you need to go and figure it out on your own. And that really is the message that they take away from that. Whereas a time in you are present with them and you're telling them you're safe. These emotions that you're feeling right now are safe to have. Everyone has these emotions and I'm going to help you through it. I'm a safe person for you to express your emotions with. And you are going to be just fine. And I'm here for you, however you need me. And if you think about the two different ways that that um, can affect a child, right? And how they grow up with that. You have one child being sent away every time they have a big emotion. They continue to experience that. They High school rolls around. They have a big emotion. They're going to lock themselves in their room. And they're not going to want to talk to anybody because they don't know what that's like to share a big feeling with somebody that they trust. Whereas the child who has always had a parent with them, time ends when they're having a tantrum, being taught skills to manage their emotions, they grow up, they not only have a more secure attachment with their parent, but they have tools to help manage their emotions. And they, they know they have someone they can trust when their feelings are too big for them to handle on their own. Yeah, that's so well said. everyone, Roberta here popping in. Our conversation with KJ was just so good and so awesome that we decided to just keep talking and asking her all the questions. So make sure to listen next week. And we're going to talk more about tantrums and more about this concept of time ins and what that can look like. And then equally as important, what do you do after the tantrum? You know, what do we do once the tantrum's over as the parent to use it as a teachable moment? And and we'll talk more about that in next week's episode. So do not miss that. Make sure to hit subscribe to our show so that you, you know, you get access to that episode right away as soon as it, as soon as it drops. So we are so grateful for KJ joining us for two episodes and we hope more in the future. So we'll see y'all next week. We want to thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us chat about healthy family living. We would love to hear your thoughts or any ideas you have for future episodes. So feel free to message us at the teacher mamas podcast at gmail.com or the teacher mamas podcast on Instagram. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave a quick rating or review on whatever platform you're listening from. If something really stood out to you today, Don't forget to share it with someone else in your life that might need to hear it too. 
spread the word. Please don't forget to share with your online community and tag us. For more positivity and inspiration on how we navigate life and the things we do on a daily basis to stay sane in the crazy, don't forget to go follow each of us on Instagram. Check the show notes for our handles.